All right, everyone. Welcome, welcome to Movies After Work. This is Thomas Green. And I'm Alex Duez. And welcome to our second episode for anyone who actually decided to the world again. Gluttons for punishment. Yes, we, we appreciate that attitude. Um, it's very helpful for us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So today we're going to be talking about the, uh, the latest Marvel film, Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, but first, trailers. Now, first and foremost, I want to talk about the strangest thing that happened when we went to go see this movie. You know, we went to go see a big IMAX theater, super exciting, yada, 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 yada. What is our first trailer? Ugly Dolls. <laughs> so <laughs> we should we should mention kind of at the top of the show um, that we are going full spoilers on this. Yes, so, yes. When we get to the movie, we'll mention again. But yes, we are going to be going full spoilers when we dive into this. Okay. Are we going full spoiler, full spoilers straight from when we start discussing Captain Marvel, or do you want to have a breaking off point? We'll we'll be we'll be diving right in. So, bear okay. that in mind, anyone who's listening, we will avert your virgin ears to the movie. We will be diving in full gotcha. force. Well, then, I want to mention something at the top of the show as we discuss trailers, um, which was stood out in my mind as one of the strangest things when seeing the movie is that we did not get a Avengers trailer Yeah, what the fuck? In the beginning of the film. And I think the biggest reason for that was because of the end credits trailer. Or, uh, sorry, end credits scene. The mid credit scene. Um, probably. Probably. Yeah. More importantly, who the fuck is going to see Ugly Dolls? <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell goes, hey, um, a strange brand of doll that nobody was really that into. They're making an animated movie musical. And by the way, one of the main characters is voiced by Pitbull. I didn't see anyone going over to the box office afterwards asking if they could pre-order tickets for that one. Well, I mean, if this podcast goes as long as we expect it to, you know, we'll we'll hit it in a couple years. <sighs> so we'll circle back around to Ugly Dolls. Well, we each have kids. Eventually, we're going to talk about how we had to sit there and watch the movie and not swear during it. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm trying- you're, you're, I think you're a much better father in that respect. I, I don't have a problem cursing in front of my son. I'll be, I'll be dropping a ton of expletives while watching that film. Right now, while she's not super repetitive, I'm, I'm not as careful as I should be. But you know, <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I just wanted to mention, like, whoever whoever thought that that trailer could be attached, the entire theater was confused. Um, yeah. Well, I think that was more a partnership with AMC than it was with the film. I think that was probably an obligation to to the theater. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't that think was... someone else's animated film. <laughs> I think it was a very safe bet, even before you get to it's fucking ugly dolls yeah um (laughs) well i mean it's just it's it's the go bots to transformers i mean ugly dolls is the trolls and i mean trolls was even 
a, a knockoff of something else. Ugly Dolls is 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 literally not. It, literally, some company fucked up some dolls and just said, "Hey, we can convince kids of anything, right? All right, let's do it." Um, <laughs> but that's the premise of the film too. Like they're they're totally buying into that. Yes, Kelly Clarkson, Nick, one of the Jonas. I'm just gonna say Nick Jonas because one Jonas is the same as the other at this point. Um, yeah. But you've got a Jonas brother, Kelly Clarkson, Pitbull, and literally nobody else matters. And not remembering who else is in the movie is a favor to those people. Yeah. But I'm going to go ahead and say that that is more time than that film deserves on anyone's retrospective in their entire life. Yeah. Um, the only other real trailer that we have to talk about this week is Aladdin. We got the full trailer this week. Um, do as would you say that you are any more impressed with the film now than you were after the teaser in the Super Bowl? Um, <laughs> I mean, that's a loaded question. Am I any more impressed? <laughs> I mean, I was not at all impressed by the teaser trailer. So being marginally more impressed is not a big compliment to pay this, this trailer. But no, um, my anticipation level for this film is not high. Um, nor is it high for Dumbo or um, we, we discussed Lion King last week. I, I do have some, um, some curiosity and excitement for that film, but I mean, I, if this is the way we are, I, I think Dumbo is, has more to it. Um, it's definitely Dumbo has the most potential of any of them. And that's because they're embracing the fact that they're live action. You know, we're, we're not going to, we're realistically, we're not going to have a bunch of ra- racial stereotype crows singing a song in Dumbo. Yeah. You know? Well, you're, it's also live action, which okay. Beauty and the Beast didn't do. Jungle Book was Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. Um, this is clearly not going to do that either. Um, it, it's, it's going to be a practice in how much the live action can set itself apart or differentiate itself from the animated film and i think dumbo obviously has the biggest potential for that because dumbo was like a 70 minute run ta- uh runtime whenever it came out um yeah. there's obviously a, a lot of things in that film that need to be changed just for the evolution of the times um and there's a lot more focus you can have to characters that were unimportant or di- or didn't even exist in necessarily in the animated film. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge that we're going to have with Aladdin is taking falsetto Jafar seriously. <laughs> um, I remember the the Super Bowl trailer officially had me clocked out permanently with the movie as soon as I heard "Bring me the lamp." <laughs> I literally I heard that and I went, "Okay, that's that is a that's a fucking prank." that someone at Disney is pulling on us any second. Now they're going to give us the real Jafar <laughs> and we're going to go, Oh, that's so awesome. But no, it's still just, I can make you rich beyond your wildest dreams. <laughs> Bring me the lamb. But wasn't that, wasn't that how it was in the animated film? Jafar was dressed as like a, an, an old man and did have like an affectation. He did a bit, but he had like a, 
deep villainy voice. I mean, this guy just looks like he's dressed like this guy is dressed in a way that does not match his voice, does not match his age. Yeah. Um, this guy, like Jafar, was at, at his youngest in his late forties in the animated film. I would gather. Yeah. This guy looks like he's he's that guy in his mid twenties was who has made it to manager <laughs> at like a Dollar Tree and is way too proud of it. All right, I feel I feel personally attacked, but. By a statement like that, <laughs> did I say you? I, not all, <laughs> not all people in their twenties make it to manager and become that guy. This guy did, though. <laughs> well, yes, you did. You did get that feeling in the animated film that the relationship with that Jafar wanted Jasmine to have with him was that of an older man. And Jasmine was obviously forced into that or would be forced into that. But the animated film, Jafar is one of the most interesting aspects of that. Um, The genie is obviously probably the most interesting aspect of that um, based on Robin Williams performance. Um, Yeah. And Jasmine is a very like interesting and endearing princess. And in this film, no one seems interested and Jafar in particular seems very stilted and his performance just fe- seems stale, particularly from the, from this trailer. Well, I got, I got two, two, two of the biggest things I got from this trailer. One, I'm convinced that the production designer and the costume designer were going through a bitter divorce and were refusing to communicate with each other, <laughs> which is why you've got these vibrant pastel colored outfits and then brown yeah sets yeah um i'm convinced that that is the logic that we ended up with there um i also i also just want to know how high up the ladder is the person who got fired for telling guy Ritchie, who's directing the film yeah make it the exact same way that you made the king arthur movie that seems like a good idea I mean, we literally in the trailer and during the like 10 second Bohemian Rhapsody level editing moment at the end, we just at one point is very clear at some point Aladdin is going to be chased by an Iago been transformed into a gigantic flaming Phoenix type bird that is chasing him through Agrabah, destroying it. Yeah. Um, which, sure, (laughs) with your lives, that's your business. Um, I literally think when they made this trailer, they said, Hey, look, we need people to, we need people to watch Will Smith in this trailer and go, at least he doesn't look like the worst part of the movie. Yeah. I think that was the entire thing. He's still... I'm still not sold um, on him as genie. Mm-hmm. I think part of it is because the, I mean, I, you know, there's about, you know, there's at least a million people in America who watch that trailer. And during the whole scene where he's like blowing um, Aladdin across the room with his <laughs> 
All right, you took too long to say across the room, but go ahead. That's that's your own fault. Um, <laughs> no, back when we got good guy Richie films, across the room wouldn't have been part of it, yeah. or at least <sighs> magic with a gun. Um, <laughs> but I. I guarantee you we can find at least a million people in this country that saw that scene and immediately went, holy shit, they just told Will Smith to play Hitch. Yeah. They just told him to play Hitch in this movie. Well, I... Watching this trailer, it goes back to what I said with Dumbo possibly having the most potential of these live-action remakes. When you watch the trailer for this film, um, this can be said of beauty and the beast as well when you watch it and the best parts of the trailer are oh friend like me didn't sound terrible oh a whole new world didn't sound terrible but those are the only things that grab you because they are reminiscent of the animated film there is no reason to see this film when an animated film exists with better productions of these songs exactly so absolutely 100 percent agreed the movie will definitely, unless for some reason I'm able to see the movie for free, <laughs> which in that case, I'll probably still want someone to sweeten the pot with free concessions as well or paying me to go see it. Yeah. Um, I don't really intend on going to see this film unless we suddenly get a bunch of people contacting us and going, we demand that you do that movie for the podcast, in which case... Um, give the people I, what they want well I was going to say I just want to preempt and tell people that unfortunately we're not able to do the podcast anymore but sure <laughs> alright well that's that's nice to see our attitude towards this <laughs> see, <laughs> completely <be> opposing <laughs> it's just you seeing how long you can keep, the whole this whole podcast becomes how long can do as keep a co-host <laughs> well, seeing some of the crappier movies coming out each year. Yeah, that would be interesting. Well, uh, Pacific Rim Uprising, like we said, we're not afraid to walk out of a film. So, some of our reviews might just be the first half of a film. Oh <laughs> uh, God, that, uh, I'm no, we're not even going there. So. <laughs> Yes, Aladdin. We're so excited. We're we're just so excited. We're we're absolutely thrilled to see um, what the fourth place runner up of RuPaul's Drag Race can do. <laughs> um, there's it might be over the line joke for you for the night. Probably not the only one. <laughs> so let's get on to the main feature of the night. We saw Captain Marvel mm-hmm. um, on its opening. Uh, would like to once again remind people before we start talking uh we will be talking spoilers we will be talking major plot points big reveals um all the sort of stuff that you normally would threaten to stop being a friend with someone for discussing so if you don't want to hear about the movie come back and listen to this again later once you've actually gotten to see the film yeah um which first and foremost go see the film Yes, um, I think both of us can confidently recommend the film um, to I think both, everyone. Yeah, both of us can confidently say that we recommend this film. Um, just smart, fun. Um, 
admittedly plenty of parts that weren't necessarily super original for the Marvel Universe, but the world of the MCU. You know, the MCU has a formula. They know it works. They stick to it. Yeah. This, you know, and to, to start talking about this film, this goes back to a trailer can can kind of make or break a movie or, uh, you know, sell it or, or get you hyped for it. And I was very underwhelmed by the trailers that came out for Captain Marvel. I was definitely sitting there more excited that the film was about to start than you. Yes, yeah. Um, but once the film did start, uh, you won me over immediately from the Stan Lee um, tribute for the Marvel Studios logo. So Yeah, um, for people who don't mind spoilers that haven't seen the film yet, for the opening logo for Marvel, which Marvel, I love you, but dear God, that's a movie unto itself, watching that opening credit sequence um they replaced all of the live action movie shots of marvel superheroes with stan lee um clips of his cameos and then after the marvel studios logo finished fading out it just said thank you stan on the screen yeah and i think that got an applause from our from our audience oh no did absolutely got a, an applause from everyone in the theater. Um, from what I've been seeing a lot online, uh, from people talking about the film, that's basically was a unanimous thing. Opening weekend was yeah. if you were in a theater, and when that see, when that moment happened, there was applause. Yeah, yeah, as well there should be. Exactly, exactly. Um, so that was, you know, that was fantastic. Um, then he had his cameo later on in the film, which I absolutely loved because uh, <laughs> Kevin Smith's Small Rats is one of my favorite underrated 90s movies. Uh, it's one of the most underrated of that like genre of just like teen raunch. Yeah. Um, and it's not even that raunchy, but it still definitely falls into that category in that realm. Yeah. But it's definitely it's definitely up there for me, though, as many people have pointed out, the reference while fantastic does create one hell of a strange question mark for the Marvel Cinematic Universe and its existence, because, of course, Stanley was rehearsing for the movie Mallrats, which. For those of you who have never seen that film. He cameos as himself in that film while uh, Jason Lee is asking him about the penises of <laughs> many <laughs> including some that are in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Um, and earlier on in the movie, they uh, he and Jeremy London, I think it's Jeremy London. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the London brothers are discussing whether or not Superman and Lois Lane can have sex. Uh, <laughs> again, what I'm saying sounds kind of weird, but it's a fantastic movie that everyone should see. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, definitely. I've never been more proud to be a Kevin Smith fan um, sitting in the yeah, theater. So, 
also if you get a chance go on youtube uh he did a great like it's like uh nine ten minute long mm-hmm. bit of his reaction to the to the the reference and the cameo and and the part he played in in making it happen yeah how it came to be um but yeah it does create that sort of continuity question now of these characters now exist you know basically hulk and all these characters they now existed back in the 90s yeah so of course it's one of those things where in reality you should probably just let it go and just enjoy the moment enjoy the reference Mm -hmm. but um as many people have pointed out as, as many people have pointed out it does leave some uh some curious question marks to the universe. Yeah. Well, I, I think it does. If you, if you, you want to, if you have a knowledge of mall rats, if you don't have a mall knowledge of mall rats, um, one, the reference is kind of lost on you. Yes. Um, but two, you're probably, you might, you might be a little bit better off. Although I, I love mall rats as well. I think it's, I mean, it's gotta be top three favorite kevin smith films for me um it's it's definitely my second yeah i you know they it does i hadn't even really thought about it it does kind of create like a weird these characters existed fictionally in the 90s but exist in what is our present day in the mcu in real life (laughs) yeah so definitely one of those I mean, if if we wanted to create some sort of BS explanation for it, which I'm sure some people already have have done, oh, and I'm sure I'm sure the explanation has been the same. It's basically been established at this point that Stanley, every single Stanley cameo in the MCU, has been the same person. Yeah, uh, it's been the same person, and that he has been sent by the Watchers. Mm-hmm learn about earth and report back to them as we saw in guardians of the galaxy volume two yeah um so you could always theorize that he is also traveling dimensionally mm-hmm. so therefore he is in one dimension rehearsing his lines for a movie that he's in in a different dimension <laughs> so <laughs> solved it you, so, you did. Oh, i mean my brain hurts a little bit but the problem is solved i guess all the uh, all the all the all the uh marvel nerds that have been freaking out about this can go back to trying to figure out the timeline of thanos having the infinity gauntlet which is also simple but i won't get into because no they're uh, they're trying to figure out the uh timeline timeline of the tesseract and why it's so fucking important that uh how Marvel got it after Howard Stark er, uh, retrieved it from from the ocean. Well, I mean that's a long stretch of time with different people going in and out of. Yeah, I mean I don't think it's a it's a it's a stretch. Um, it's definitely not my not my biggest hang up with the film. Um, I literally just had to remind myself the uh, the continuity that existed of the Tesseract's history. Mm-hmm. And 
for me, it was just as simple as, you know, just like how we've shown, we showed that Ant-Man was shield when it was Hank Pym. Yeah. He was being sent out by the American military to, to do things, you know, that, that in there is your answer. Yeah. You know, shield had the Tesseract, but they gave it to this air force scientist that clearly could do more with it than they could. Yeah, it's not it's not said implicitly, but it is it is kind of implied that Pegasus Project Pegasus works under or with uh Shield. Um, yeah, it's a team project. Yeah, yeah. So um well let's let's start at the beginning of the film. Um the film opens after the Marvel Studios logo and you see what looks like dust and you it's very reminiscent of the end of infinity war. Um, at least that was a lot of people's thoughts. Uh, mine as well, when I'm sitting in the theater and I'm like, who are they saying was dusted? Are we talking about the, um, you know, the snap. And then of course it's kind of a, uh, pull the rug out from underneath you. Um, Carol Danvers falling. Um, is this is after she has shot the um the energy core and received the powers yeah okay um i like i did like a lot how they played with in her mind that was a scrawl approaching her um and we didn't know because she you know in the beginning she's bleeding the blue blood um but you realize at the end that that was jude law approaching her and she was still bleeding her normal human blood. They they did do a fantastic job of um, of using uh, the amnesia arc, which cliche, but we hadn't really seen it yet in, in Marvel, so we hadn't really gotten to see them play with the concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was definitely, the, if you were going to do it with a character, this was definitely the character to do it with. Yeah. Um, but then playing with that, I thought was fantastic. Yeah, I think um, I think it was a good way to reveals. Um, because I honestly I would say the the bigger the bigger plot the or not plot twist, but the the bigger surprise from her memories is not that it was that Jude Law is evil. Jude Law being evil, you. Uh, <laughs> you figure it out probably about halfway through the movie. Yeah. Um, mainly just from the fact that they casted Jude Law and he's not doing anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but. He's not signing on for multiple, multiple picture deals. Um, likely. Um, but no, uh, for me, it was uh, the reveal that Annette Benning's character was Marvell. Yeah. That to me, because that's not Marvel as we know the character in the comics, um, I thought that was a fantastic reveal. It got a good reaction from our audience, yeah. In the, um, but it was, yeah, no, that was that was great. Um, I really with with the movie as a whole I, the only big issue i had with the movie and it wasn't even a big issue 
um, do do as you've heard me complain about this a lot. And I'm sure as long as the podcast goes on, people will hear it more and more from me. But the, the rules for where '90s music come comes from. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, because like having having the supreme intelligence playing the Nirvana song on the on the record player, you know. And it makes sense. Yeah. But then you had her when she has her big fight, they they hit their big on the nose moment by having just a girl by no doubt. Mm-hmm. And there's literally a jukebox in the damn room. Yeah. And I'm just like, literally, if you just done a moment of someone, you know, her pushing someone and them crashing into it. And that's what, and it started the song up on the jukebox. If they had literally just done that, I would have been like, okay, this is a little on the nose, but you know, it's fun. It's kind of, it's kind of Shaun of the Dead homage Yeah. Um, but it was one, you know, that song and one or two others just kind of played. Well, that's, that's kind of, uh, <laughs> you, you mentioned someone hitting the jukebox and someone does hit the jukebox in the middle of the fight scene, but it neither starts the song nor stops it. If the song has started playing and then you, when I, when he hits the jukebox myself and I'm sure everyone else expected a, you know, like a record scratch and it doesn't, it doesn't happen. I'm like, he literally could have and should have hit anything else in this room because him hitting a jukebox in the song, not stopping doesn't make sense now. Yeah, no, I agree. I also think that they made the wrong song choice there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cannot be the only person who would have thoroughly enjoyed if that I'm a Bitch song was playing. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a better pick. That, like, I know we were talking to, you know, a PG-13 Disney movie, so having a song that has that line in it, but you could easily have a photon blast right when they say bitch, so that way it like bleeping it out yeah. but i think it had that song has more that song's less poppy and it's harsh yeah because um, i i think no doubt it wasn't poppy enough to be sort of uh an anti moment song kind of like uh stuck in the middle with you during reservoir dogs or singing in the rain with clockwork orange yeah um I don't think it was poppy enough to be one of those, but it wasn't rocky enough. It was there wasn't enough of a rock and umph to it. Yeah, for it to just flat out be a a, rock, a fight song. Well, yeah, if they if they're going for girl power, and you know, if they weren't sticking to the well, we strictly have to do '90s music because it's a '90s film. Like, you play anything by fucking Joan Jett, and you you've got a better song to play during a fight scene with a strong, powerful woman. True. And that's actually, that's, I think that's a good public service announcement for all movies mm-hmm. that are set in a certain decade. Um, nobody listens to only music from that decade. Yeah. <laughs> True. There is no, like, even, even teenagers that are listening to whatever is hip and cool at the moment, even they are still going to occasionally turn on something that's not from that decade. Yeah. It is okay to just say, okay, our music can't take place past 1995, not 
it can only have happened between 1990 and 1995. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think if you really wanted to drive that point home, they would have played uh, Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman by Britney Spears. Now, see, if you're going for the opposite <laughs> with something that's completely opposite playing, that would have been fantastic. Yeah. Well, I think I, if, if you... You had a punch to it. Yeah, if you had driven that home and, he, and she continuously kept hitting people into the jukebox... And it kept playing a different song. It starts playing Alanis Morissette, and then it plays Britney Spears, and then it plays uh, Just a Girl by No Doubt. That would have been fucking hilarious. And totally would have just been a total tonal shift. But- well, it would have been, not only would have it, have it been funny, but I think it would have been a nice have your cake eat it too moment. Mm-hmm. Because then you could have like a girl power. You could, not only are you having multiple girl power songs, but you're making fun of the, oh, and now we have a pure, you know, a 90s girl power song. No, we're, we're literally just like smacking the jukebox in its way through like a now that's what I call girl power CD. <laughs> um, I'm really scared because now I'm worried that I'm going to go to Target or something and that CD is suddenly going to exist. I mean, you have a you have a daughter, so you're fucking a 100 percent obligated to buy that CD. I I know. <laughs> also, for the maybe maybe I'm getting my my time frames wrong for music, but how do we get through an entire girl power female superhero movie and I don't hear a single goddamn Spice Girls song? Yeah, I I don't know if that's later or if they did that they just missed the boat on that. I mean, I, I could see it going either way. There was this is the '90s, so. You could have looked to any, oh, we got to play something from from TLC or Destiny's Child or Spice Girls or Britney Spears, which I think they do have a shout out to Britney Spears. I think the cop is listening to that, the security guard, whenever she walks up to his car. But I mean, this was the the time of the female pop icon, female pop group, R&B group um, about strong, independent women. I mean, they had their, you know, their pick of the litter choosing this time frame yeah no they really did um but you're away from the music because it's almost disturbing how much we can talk about what good music for girls in the 90s was. <laughs> um, i'm kind of worried that we're, we're i'm like waiting for chris hansen to come down here and sit I down mean, i i've just been repeating not a girl not yet a woman so i don't know that i've ventured too far off <laughs> you just listed a bunch of band names so you're on the registry now too <laughs> but uh this was definitely a movie about the supporting cast 100 percent. yeah this is much like my feelings on black panther um where i think black panther is the least interesting character in that movie um i definitely think captain marvel kind of suffers from the same um the same symptoms where entirely Carol Danvers are, is the, probably the, um, the least interesting character in this film. I mean, her friend kind of steals the show when she's there. And then Ben Mendelsohn absolutely steals the show at the end of the film. Um, Samuel Jackson steals the show. I think Ben Mendelsohn consistently throughout the entire movie is stealing the show. I think, I think it is safe to say that he is going, he's probably going to be up there on most people's lists of 
characters they really want to see come back in the yeah. future. Yeah. I think if, I think I think if he didn't have a multi-picture deal with Marvel before, he probably does now. Yeah. Um cuz he like everyone thinks of him as big menacing villain and then this film we got to see him completely right hook that and just dive into this great comedic territory. Yeah, absolutely. Killed it with, yeah. Um, but so yeah, he was phenomenal. Yeah, the best friend, uh, she was great, and I'd be happy to see more of her. Although it's sort of an Agent Carter sort of thing, where you know that was like twenty years ago. So what you know, what if anything would you really do with her? Yeah, you would get the daughter. Um. We're absolutely going to see the daughter at some point in modern day MCU. Um, I would love to see the daughter and Ant-Man's daughter become friends and start Young Avengers or something of that nature. Well, you're you're talking about them teaming up or, or becoming friends. But I mean, by this point, the best friend's daughter is going to be in her mid-20s or possibly 30s. And Ant-Man's daughter is still a young teenager or preteen. Well, we still have that mysterious role casted um, that they casted someone who looks very much like an older version of Ant-Man's daughter. For, mm-hmm. and so she sure. could end up, uh, something could happen that makes her age pretty quickly. Yeah. So we'll just have to wait and see on that one. Um, I do have one big, one big gigantic question that I came out of that movie wondering. What's that? Simply, if we can make Clark Gregg and Samuel L. Jackson look 20 years younger consistently for an entire movie, mm-hmm. how can DC not just take off a damn mustache? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, it's, it's again, just in these little details, we're seeing the drastic difference between the quality of the two. And I'm not, I'm not hate. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dissing on DC because I hate DC. I'm, I'm getting on them because I love DC and I would like to see them do better. Yeah, I would like, you know, I love DC. I love Batman. You know, Batman's my all-time favorite superhero. Yeah, hands down, not a question. I want to see better done by him. You know, I mean, I, I would have. If you had talked to me five years ago, I absolutely would have said that Batman is probably my favorite superhero. But there has been so much wrong done to him that has almost, almost in a way, lessened the IP, lessened the the character. I mean, I would, without question, now probably say that Spider Man is my favorite hero um, because he has appealed to me on so many different levels. Um, there's so many films I can look to that are brilliant there's a video game i could look to that's brilliant um nick spencer who is probably my favorite comic book writer has been writing his um new amazing spider-man ongoing for the last year or so um i mean they're just marvel's doing so much right particularly with spider-man on so many different fronts yeah i can't disagree with that um, what I do take away with Batman to sidetrack from Captain Marvel here for a moment is with every single one of these movies that they make, they keep spouting the same stupid fucking line, which is we're really taking inspiration from Frank Miller's work. Frank Miller 
did some other bullshit character. His shit isn't that man. <laughs> I don't count his shit and the shitty movies that we've gotten as a result of people trying to mimic him as Batman. That's not fucking Batman. Yeah. Well, there's I'll there's a disservice running around with a fucking bomb. <laughs> For ninety percent of what we've gotten in regards to Batman, some days you just opinion. can't get rid of a bomb. Yeah, truer words have never been spoken. DC, <laughs> DC now lives that in irony. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, one thing I would say in in service of Spider Man, you know. Batman has these incredible graphic novels, Long Halloween, um, Hush. Yeah. You know, all of these stories, um, and everyone wants to pull. Sorry, say that again. Hush and Son of the Demon are the big ones in my eyes. Well, he has these incredible story arcs and these incredible graphic novels um, that everyone wants to pull, pull from and point to as their inspiration. And in a lot of ways, Spider-Man doesn't have that. He has the uh, symbiote suit. He has... And then he kind of has ones that people hate. I mean, he has the Clone Saga. But he has incredible writers. You know, Todd McFarlane, who wrote, you know, Amazing Spider-Man for years. Dan Slott, who wrote Spider-Man for years and years. Um, Stan Lee, obviously. You can point to these writers, and you almost look at the writers as your inspiration. Like, we are... Spider-Man has the comics. Mm-hmm. People to the comics and that they've known that that's all they need to do. Yeah. Um, but going back to Captain Marvel, um, for me, the movie was solid. I, yeah. I have to sit, I'd have to really sit down and consider where I'd rank it amongst um, the 20 films that came before it. Mm-hmm. Um, does it, you know, is it in the top 10 is it in the bottom 10? I'd really have to sit and, and dissect that. Um, my only other concern with the film is we have the big mid credit scene where we show her appearing at shield at the, the shield or not shield, the Avengers headquarters. Mm-hmm. And my only concern was it was too much. Yeah. Um, you know, I had spoken with you. What I really wanted to see was just, you know, we see in the context of now knowing the movie, we see like her room in the spaceship. Yeah. That, that she and the scroll took off in and we see the the pager going off and then we see a hand that's clearly not hers reach and grab it and pull it away so there's some more suspense and mystery they just kind of they just kind of now we know it's just like oh she's here yeah and i i I had talked to you before i think i had i had thought that maybe it was going to be like um I think I had said it was like Thor where the end credits uh, scene of Thor was literally a trailer for Avengers. Um, uh, Captain America, the first Avenger. Yeah, that was it. So I was thinking that we could possibly see a similar scenario here where the end credit scene for this was a Avengers for or a trailer for Avengers Endgame. Um, what we instead got was the end credit scene we got for think possibly ant-man Ant-Man, where it was just a, a scene from civil war spliced yeah. in. and i yeah. think that's absolutely what we got here i agree and i i don't think that's the, i don't think that was the way to go yeah but um given the fact that they did the brilliant plot twist of making the scroll the good guys 
which I loved. I thought that was a I thought that was a great twist. Um, given that, I'm willing to give them some leeway because in the meat of the actual movie itself, they delivered some good they they delivered some really good content. Yeah. So this is absolutely. I don't know if you need to see this in IMAX. I don't know if you need to see this in 3D. But I definitely think people should be going to see this in theaters with their friends. I think. Um, yeah. Do I, you're. You agree, disagree? I absolutely agree. You should see this in theaters. Um, like you said, I don't. I don't know necessarily that you need to see it in IMAX or or uh, Cinemark XD or Dolby or anything like that. Um, but it is an exciting time in the theaters. Um, it is way more fun and interesting than the trailers play it. Um, the the twists are actually surprisingly well hidden. Um, until they happen and i think uh (laughs) you know thinking about this movie it honestly gives me a lot of vibes of galaxy quest and i say that in the most endearing way possible because i absolutely love galaxy quest well yeah if you didn't like galaxy quest i'd literally end the conversation right now (laughs) and i'd be beating you to death (laughs) not liking that movie is just wrong absolutely well you know captain captain marvel did something you know actually more impressive than galaxy quest did which i mean (laughs) they made the people who look like the villains be the prosecute you know the persecuted ones um and yeah i I think the twists were, were really well done my only complaint and it's not even a complaint it's more of a nitpick um but it was what i had said to you as we were leaving the theater it felt like there was an inconsistency with the scrolls when they changed um when ben mendelson's character changed on the beach he still had his voice as he looked like the surfer um and then when the scroll who was impersonating um agent colson dies He's wearing a suit, and every other scroll who seemed to die seemed to revert to their old clothing because it seems like their clothing changes with them. Um, yeah, I, I think overall it's just going to be worth um, a second viewing of absolutely. the movie to, to really focus on that detail to see where, where and if any consistencies lie. Because I, I just can't remember. I can't remember things like how much Coulson talked when he was a scroll. I can't remember stuff like that consistently enough to um to really pick at it myself. Yeah. Well, I think um, my the the biggest praise that I can give this film is I absolutely would and do want to see it again in theaters. Um and I wasn't even sure that I was going to see it initially in theaters. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm sold on all these Marvel movies, but this is definitely one that I was anticipating the least. Um, but I was actually really surprised walking out of it how much fun I had in the theater. Absolutely. I, I know for myself, um, I have been saying since they announced at that, um, that Tuesday morning slugfest that Kevin Feige uh, dished out all of what was Phase 3 at the time that's been, you know, tweaked and altered since then. But um I remember as soon as they announced that they were doing the Carol Danvers Captain Marvel, the f- first two, ch- the two choices in my head were uh, Katie Sackoff from Battlestar Galactica, um, Starbuck on that, on the revamp of Battlestar Galactica to me is Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. 
just not without superpowers. Um, and then the other one for me was Tatiana Maslany um, of Orphan Black fame, which if yeah. you've never seen that show, uh, it's on Amazon Prime. Start watching it. Seriously, some of the best television you'll see. Um, but yeah, I... You know, I I think we've I think they have another solid film. Uh, it's already past half a billion. It's it's at it's past five hundred million already. Yeah, um, it's shattered. You know, it's it's destroyed a lot of preconceived notions, but it's also shown. Um, it's also quite quite frankly shown that um, Marvel can make things work. Yeah consistently and that they are a brand that people are going to trust you know when they you know they've talked about introducing a first the uh, a gay superhero they're not going to have any issues with that they yeah. i think they've been finalizing their first uh asian superhero they're not going to have any issues with that yeah absolutely uh, you know when they, you know, the more, you know, Eternals, they're not going to have any issues with, you know, they're, they have a lot of stuff that they're going to announce after Spider-Man Far From Home. And at no point is there going to be the question mark like there was around Black Panther and Captain Marvel, especially of how is this going to work out for them? Yeah. Uh, well, the, that that's probably a good segue into uh, what, what are our thoughts on spider-man homecoming if we're gonna or spider-man far from home if we want to speculate on that um a little bit it's before infinity war i absolutely before infinity war (laughs) uh, well first of all like my so two of my big things is that one they mention peter parker mentions field being on a field trip two or three times in infinity war Mm mm-hmm as why he was on the bus and where he came from. Um, also, looking at the world in the Super Bowl ad for Endgame compared to the the way the world looks in Spider-Man Far From Home, uh, that does not look like a world that, even if everything went back to normal in terms of the population coming back to life, that does not look like a world that has recovered from the events of Infinity War. Yeah, that looks has not been affected by them yet. Yeah. Well, you know, some people had pointed to, I believe there's like a statue of Tony Stark in Spider-Man Far From Home. And people are like, oh, it's a statue because Tony dies in in, uh, Endgame. And I'm like, Marvel is not careless. Even if this is a Sony film where Marvel has their hands off a little bit. And Marvel, I don't think, has their hands off. Um, they're not careless. They're not going to allow a statue of Tony Stark to be in a shot in a trailer for Spider-Man, a movie that takes place after Endgame, but the trailer is obviously coming up beforehand. Um, yeah. Well, and the other thing for me was, and I think that's how, I think that's why they've been so willing to let Spider-Man Far From Home um, be such a quote-unquote spoiler. Yeah. It's because it's not. Yeah. But and I also, think... There's the one point where um, Happy Hogan says, you're all alone. And everyone went, oh, Tony died. Yeah. Well, not necessarily. Think about think about what happened at the end of um, Homecoming. A bunch of tech 
a bunch of Stark tech was somebody tried to hijack it and it resulted in a gigantic plane crashing into Coney Island. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the Sokovia Accords are going to make it impossible for Tony Stark to be allowed to be Iron Man again. Yeah. If we're if we're taking into account the the events of Civil War where Tony is not operating unregulated. He is he is in service of the country. Even if Spider-Man is out, you know, wherever he is, um, you know, fight, fighting crime, if, even if he needs his help, Tony's not going to intervene without risking, you know, his... Violating uh, the Accords and risking yeah. his relationship with Pepper Potts. A- absolutely. Um, absolutely agree. So I think... And and I think Marvel is not afraid to lie to us. They've lied to us ag- again and again. Amazing and... at lying to us. We are in such an abusive relationship. But we don't. We don't care. We come them because someday they're going to change, baby. <laughs> we, I, I think that it's even even more likely that they added a statue of Tony Stark than them not digitally removing one. Because, because that has to be a digital shot to begin with. They they had to have added that in. You know, they didn't build a, a statue to for for Tony Stark for a shot in a film. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I absolutely believe that they could have added that. Um, like we were saying before, we we're um, when we were talking about this, I think it's going to be really interesting to look as a retrospective to see how this feels like a phase three film and as opposed to phase four film um you and i were talking about how captain or sorry how ant-man feels like a phase two film it being you know like you said the palate cleanser to uh age of ultron this movie with high stakes um you know sacrifice and even just in general a palate cleanser before diving into civil the war. chaos the civil war yeah um so yeah, no, I think we've got good stuff coming up on that range. Um, but as we uh, as we wrap up our our chaos, panic, and confusion of of seeing Captain Marvel and trailers and whatnot, do us. What have you been watching lately that you can uh, recommend to the people at home? Um, I have started watching Leaving Neverland um, on HBO. Um, it is four hours. I'm like 40 minutes in. I've already been watching it for like three days. So that tells you how much I've gotten to watch each day. Um, watching it so far, it doesn't feel like it needs to be four hours. Um, I'm probably about an hour in, um, but I'll be curious to see hour three or four if I'm still as interested. I mean, it's, it's interesting and it's, it's very um you you definitely need a palate cleanser after watching that um but it's it's the documentary of the two young boys who had a um sexual relationship with michael jackson um and stayed allegedly we'll say allegedly just the 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 documentary does not paint it as allegedly (laughs) i'm sure they don't but Um, but 
we'll, we'll go with allegedly. You know what's curious is I've I've seen a lot of articles of like this radio station is pulling all Michael Jackson music, and if they had never said that, I probably would have never noticed that a radio particular radio station has not played Michael Jackson in a while. But I've been out in two public spaces and have heard Michael Jackson on two separate occasions um, since starting this documentary. And I'm like, it's weird. Now I'm now I seem acutely aware of when I hear a Michael Jackson song. That's fair. That's very fair. Um, um, the other thing yeah. I would recommend um, is Three Identical Strangers. It's a documentary on Hulu about. That's on my queue. It's. It is very, very interesting. It's about three um, identical triplets who were separated at birth um, by this organization who you see throughout the documentary has a ulterior motive um, in separating these three boys. And these three boys find each other and uh, it's a celebration at first, them finding each other, but then they see there's something much more dark and sinister happening behind the scenes. Um, it's taking place years after the boys have found each other. So, you know, things have happened. Um, the one thing I'll say about the uh, documentary is the music is excruciatingly loud over dialogue. So I would, <laughs> I would recommend watching it with subtitles. They play Kids in America. And you're like, this sounds like it's blaring over the audio. Of the, of the dialogue, and then it's for every other song for the rest of the film. So just keep that in mind. Fair enough. Uh, for myself, I'm about to wrap up season two of the HBO comedy series Beat. Okay. Uh, I enjoy it, but the big thing I would do to recommend to everyone, I believe it's still on Hulu, is the uh, creator of Veep, I'm going to say Armando Anushi, and be incredibly wrong, I'm sure, about the pronunciation. <laughs> but uh, his, his previous show from this, The Thick of It, mm-hmm. uh, it's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, it's one of my favorite background noise shows. Um, Peter Capaldi, now of Doctor Who fame, in a very non-Doctor Who role on that. Uh, but absolutely hilarious. If you like watching uh, British people just yelling and screaming at each other, absolutely get your hands on it and enjoy the crap out of it. You will not be disappointed. Awesome. Um, so yeah, that'd be my big recommendation. And with that, uh, we are going to sign off for the day. We are still deciding what our next movie is going to be. So if you have any suggestions, please. Rats. Mall rats. Maybe, maybe we'll do more rats. Mall rats is definitely under consideration, but we, um, we will happily take any suggestions. Uh, that any of you guys have out there for what you'd like to see us do. So just uh, give us a shout and a holler. If you would like to see us covering a movie, uh, please be gentle. We can only sit through so many bad movies. Just that mind. So with that, do as everyone else. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye.